See, all they care about is the service I get that makes my life better. Mm. They never ask a deeper question. And this is what greed does. It steals your humanity. And that is, what does it cost other people for me to get what I want? What does it cost other people? Greed never asks that question. Right. Ever. It's all about what do I get? What do I get? But it's like, this isn't free, you know? And somebody somewhere is paying for this somehow. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you grow in your faith. Our strong faith is the foundation for every good thing in your life. It guides you through the tough times. It encourages you every single day. And a strong faith will help make the good times even better because it is faith that brings meaning to life. Your faith is the primary factor in growing emotionally strong. It helps give you guidance on how to love the most important people in your life, and it keeps your relationships healthy. So we are here to help you grow a strong and powerful faith. My name is Jesse Mayer. I'll be your host, but we cannot do this without the one, the only, the salty pastor himself, Dr. Douglas Peak. Well, thank you, Jesse. You're always so kind. So good to be here talking to the salty crew. You know, the salty pastor talking to the salty crew. The salty crew. The salty crew. We, we just got, appreciate we got Finn editing each and every one of these back behind the yeah. board. So we always want to shout him out. So, yeah. And so we just are so happy that so many of you are wanting to know what you believe, why you believe. It. You love thinking for yourself. You like digging a little bit deeper. Uh, the salty pastors become a part of your uh, spiritual growth. And we are so excited about that. So if you're a part of the salty pastor, you, you're a part of the salty crew. And we're so glad you're here with us. Us, and we just want to keep digging into our current series right now on the parables of Jesus because they have really illuminated and and giving us a deeper understanding of what it means to be in the kingdom of God, to walk and live and experience life in the kingdom of God here on earth while we're also placing our hope in heaven. So it's a wonderful, wonderful study, digging deeper. So happy you are on this journey with us. Yeah, and on Tuesday, we were in the parable of the rich fool. It's the basic principle of that is possessions are not the sum of your life. They do not define your life. It is something that your soul needs and desires that is far beyond simple material goods in this life that we really, truly need. We can't uh, equate what we own or what we do in our life as something that defines us. Mm -hmm. I was really interested, interested in the definition of greed that you gave us and how greed has such a negative impact on our humanity. Mm -hmm. Where do you see these things that we are studying in the rich fool playing out today in our yeah. world? Oh boy, that's a great question. I, I think number one, the biggest thing is that it is the misunderstanding of human nature. I think the biggest problem that we have today, is, particularly among politicians and government leaders and the academic elite class in universities, is they've redefined human nature. Mm. And the problem with their definition of human nature, whenever you get them to defend it or to talk about it, it's a dumpster fire. It doesn't make any sense and they can't do it. But it influences so many different things. So many of our problems that we face today, even in our own country, let alone the globe, have to do with this misguided notion of what is human nature. I mean, the largest consensus among elitists today is that, for instance, violence or crime, all this stuff that's happening in our society is due to poverty right? Mm. Or a lack of economic opportunity. 
And notice what this is. is we've talked about this before. The French philosopher Jacques Rousseau, he st- basically stipulated, he redefined human nature is what he did in his philosophy. And he basically said is that human beings are blank slates. They're innocent. They're good. They're pure. And it's society that corrupts them. So if you fix society, then people are going to do better. And on the surface, you think, oh, yeah, you know, I mean, that's it. But what you don't realize is that, well, how did society get the way it is? Mm. Human nature, right? And so it, what, what was fascinating about it is that what has happened today, is they've taken this definition of human nature and they say, well, there's nothing wrong in the heart or the soul of these individuals it's just simply that they don't have economic opportunity and that's society's fault. And if you gave them a job and you gave them opportunity, then guess what? They, th- this violence happening, this crime happening in various regions of uh, the United States or across the globe wouldn't happen. But this is, of course, purely idiotic. Number one is we know that's not true because crime among the wealthy and violence among the wealthy happens just like in poor neighborhoods, right? Violence and crime and selfishness happens all across the board. So there's people who are super, super wealthy who are doing a lot of criminal activities, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, we just have to look at the mafia and, you know, the triad and Indonesia. They may look different on the outside, but they are inevitably criminal and they are greed yeah and they do violence against people all the time like for instance i think you see though this attitude coming out this summer there uh, there have been the largest mass riots in france in its history the basic situation is that the islamic subculture that has been immigrating to france over the last 10 years are the ones who are rioting now, this, soul, uh, this subculture uh, was sparked into what it's doing right now over an Islamic young man who was stopped by police who was driving illegally. Okay. And so it's important to get the facts straight. This young man had been stopped before driving illegally, and he was driving without a license, and he was doing illegal things against traffic laws. They stopped him. They knew who he was. You know, he was a repeat offender. They went to stop him and he tried to use his car to run over some cops. And so a cop shot him and killed him. Mm. And in America, I don't know about French laws, but in America, that's completely legal. If you use your vehicle to try to like kill people or run over people, particularly cops or any federal agents or anything of that nature, then that that's considered an act of aggression. The vehicle can be considered a weapon and then you are allowed to defend yourself or take out that threat. Right? So that happened there. And of course they're saying that this was uh, a random murder of this kid. Now I don't know. They're going to investigate that. Maybe what this officer did was wrong. I don't know. I don't know that. But what I do know is that what the elites have just reacted to this situation in a fascinating way. 
You know, what they've been saying over and over again, everything I'm reading about it is this, is that, well, the main reason that this is happening has nothing to do with enculturation, assimilation, or societal cohesion. What it is, is it's the fault of French society for not providing more economic opportunity to all of these people that they brought in as immigrants. And so there's a massive flaw in this reasoning, and that is it is the presupposition, meaning the unspoken premise, the unspoken idea that it is that Muslims don't actually believe what they say they believe about their faith. This is what elitists do that is so insulting. They believe that it's simply a matter of materialistic thinking, just like in the rich fool. And that is, is that, well, your soul and everything about you is, is, is all irrelevant as long as you have your physical needs and money in your pocket. Right. It's all irrelevant. Your identity and who you are. Of course, then it becomes re relevant when you're talking about your sexual expression, then all that stuff. And you, you, whether you have money or not is irrelevant. You should be paid. It's just so upside down, right. right? It's so backwards. But what's interesting is, is what they're saying is if they have a job and making money, they will assimilate. But this is an elitist ideology from the American progressive class. And this is what they do is they have such a low view of any person of faith. They could never consider that people actually believe what they say they believe in the depths of their hearts, in the depths of their soul. They could never ever admit the fact that faith is a real thing that drives people to believe certain things and then make decisions based upon those beliefs. There's like people, you know, uh, if we just give them more money or give them opportunity to make more money, then they're going to abandon their core values. And this is a idiotic misunderstanding of human nature. Human nature does not work that way. So this misunderstanding, the way I see it happening in our culture breeds more violence. It doesn't get rid of it. It breeds more division, right? It, it's what's let's divide people up into all these identity groups. And what ends up happening is we'll pit all these people against each other. And so it creates hatred and anger because what does greed do? It always robs us of our humanity. And it's our humanity that basically says is, uh, well, like on the seal of the American uh, uh, seal, e pluribus unum, out of many, one. How can you take people from so many diverse backgrounds, so many diverse, is we have to enhance our humanity, not take our humanity away. Yeah. You know? Well, and this is uh, the typical, you know, we're seeing what typically happens is anytime there's a tragedy or something that happens, the people at the top, whether it's a politician or some other elitist, yeah. use it to run something in some idea that they want and use it as a, a stepping stone. Yes. Of, well, if only blank, then this would not have happened. Right. And it's like, are they talking about what he did or how he grew up or what has potentially gone on that day? Like, no, none of that matters to them. They're just like, well, he's Islamic and he's not French. Therefore they need to learn how to assimilate and this wouldn't happen. Right. And it's like, no, that's not the actual issue. The issue mm -hmm. is, this young man had some different stuff going on and it has nothing to do with the fact right. that they need to quote unquote assimilate. Cause I don't think, I mean, it's like nothing in his religion was like, I'm going to go run over cops. Like he's not called to do that. Right. Like it's something else was going on in his life, but they're using it as a, well, because he's Islamic and he's not assimilating with the French culture, he's bad. And 
we have a much wider problem and they all could start running us over at any moment. So we need to figure this out. Right. Like, yeah. And that's, that's what, well, that's a division right now because you basically have two positions in France, right? You have an elitist position that says, well, it's the French's fault for not giving them economic opportunity. Right. In other words, we're not supporting them and giving them enough. Right. right. But you know, French is uh, economically a dumpster fire anyway. It's right. just a big mess. Uh, so they don't have anything to give. They're so in debt. Uh, they're they're really stretched well but then you have another group of people that are saying no it's because we brought all these people in kind of like what you say is, is that they, kind of we should have never brought them of. we should have never brought them here this is their they'll, they'll never assimilate they'll never do this and and i think i think the underlying issue in all of this is that when you misunderstand human nature this is why these problems get to be so big right and the biggest misunderstanding of human nature is that we are flawed our nature is flawed and so this is why social democracies and totalitarian forms of governments monarchies and stuff like that they they do not do well a lot of people when you try to diversify this is what's so unique about america is it is the most diverse mm. okay uh, nation that has ever existed in the history of the world. And what has it, why has it been able to do that? Well, it's because it has a, as GK Chesterton says, it has a basic creed. And that creed was, is that it doesn't matter what your religion is or your ethnicity or your language of origin or any of that kind of stuff is, is you come and you abide by this idea of liberty. You don't have a right to impose your ideas on other people, right? They can think, whatever they want, you know, actions dictated by their own conscience. They have a right to do that. Their rights stop, uh, you know, when they're swinging their arms at the tip of your nose, right? Kind of a thing. And it was that concept. And in a lot of ways, the biggest struggle in America, when you look back and people who point out all of our flaws, which they're all real, they're all historical. We can talk about them, but when you look at what are they underneath and what they simply were is an unwillingness of the elites, in my opinion, the elites to allow that principle to be extended to every single human being. Mm. And part of the reason why I think that they didn't want that to happen is because they would lose control, Right, power. but yeah, and they lose greed. power. And so what, what so many people do, and this is where a lot of, you know, the church has really influenced the development of America because a lot of these movements started in the church, right? Like the abolition of slavery, right. women's suffrage, the, you know, uh, the, the civil rights movement. You know, a lot of these things started in churches, right. not just they didn't start in mosques. I'm not trying to be controversial. I'm just stating the facts. They didn't start in mosques. They didn't start in Hindu places of worship. They I was going to say an atheist church, but I've never seen a church building that was an atheist church. Right. Right. They didn't start in cults. They started in Christian churches. Right. There's a lot of different denominations, a lot of different groups, but they started there. And so this misunderstanding of human nature is one of the things that is going to be the biggest negative influence on any society and its capacity to move forward. And one of the core things about human nature is greed. Well, talk to me about, let's, let's keep going. Where else is this parable shown to have a major impact in our world or the, the principles ex, ex, uh, explained in this parable having major impact in this world? Well, I think another thing that it is, is kind of a new phenomena, but it's been around a long time, you know, 
it, you, we used to call this being a charlatan. Okay. And a charlatan was a person who would say they were one thing while they were something else. Right. Right. Not a hypocrite, but they actually posed as something. You know, uh, we talked a, a number of podcasts ago about the musical, the mu- or the Broadway music show, Man? The Music Man. Yes. Yeah. And what did The Music Man pose as? Do you remember? He posed as a guy who came in and he would form a band right. for all of the youth to, to participate. Get out of the, the yeah, keep him out of trouble. trouble that he had started in yeah. the background. And yes. then, so he would then raise money for instruments and uniforms, and then he'd jump on the train and right. So he 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 was a charlatan. He would come in and pose as someone wanting to do good and make a difference, using as an opportunity to actually steal with people. Right. Today, we call that virtue signaling or virtue posing. And it's a really interesting phenomena that has arisen out of this uh, rich fool attitude of greed. And that is, let me define it this way. It's when a person who is wealthy or affluent or achieves some form of success, whether it be an individual, an organization, or a corporation, instead of doing things that actually improve their own soul, let's just apply this to an individual, doing something to improve their their soul or invest in things that actually make a difference where it takes them uh, some effort what they do is they talk about and push a cause or an issue and this issue or cause that they push doesn't require them to make any personal sacrifice whatsoever to make it happen this comes from the rich young fools attitude and that is, well, this is all for me. And so as long as I've got what I want, I don't want to give any of it away. Like the rich fool did what? He didn't take the abundance and then try to invest it right. in building the economy or invest it in helping other people rise up. You know, he didn't do any of that kind of start more. But he did. He says, this is all mine. I'm going to put it, you know, like uh, what's uh, the cartoon, the, the duck? Scrooge McDuck. Scrooge McDuck. He wants so he can swim in his money. Money vault. (laughs) In his money vault. Yeah, that's that's what it was. And so what happened is is that this just this kind of attitude happens is unbelievable. For instance, according to the National Institutes of Health, people who are committed to things like liberty, democracy, independence tend to be the most generous people in the world. Mm. They give more. America gives more money out of their own pocket to things across the globe than anybody else but people who advocate even in our own country according to national institute of health people who advocate for communism and socialism more government control or more government support are the least generous people out of everybody that is interesting that interesting so where does that come from well it comes from see what happens is when we when we misunderstand human nature and then greed takes root right what greed does is that allows us to virtue signal. We can say, well, I'm all for that. I want the government to take care of that. I want the government to supply all that as long as I can keep my own. You right. know? And so I think one of the Which most is difficult- hilarious for people that like communism because ultimately yeah. all their money goes away Go, <laughs> yeah. in that situation. Yeah. They lose everything because <laughs> they don't own anything. You don't even not, you not only don't own anything, you don't own your own labor right. or even what you think. Right. You're not you're not even allowed to think for yourself. So, so they're going to be in a big surprise should they ever move to a communist country thinking that it's going to be more or better for them. Yeah, you know, I mean, well what what greed does is a lot of people will move to countries and 
they'll say off the bat, oh, I love this country. It's so nice because they do so much more and they have so many more programs to help you. And it's usually young people like this is really big on social media with influence and stuff like that. They go, oh, you should move to this country. You should move to that country. You know, but but it's interesting about how naive they are. See, all they care about is the service I get that makes my life better. Mm. They never ask a deeper question. And this is what greed does. It steals your humanity. And that is. What does it cost other people for me to get what I want? What does it cost other people? Greed never asks that question. Right. Ever. It's all about what do I get? What do I get? But it's like, this isn't free, you know? And somebody somewhere is paying for this somehow. And now they may be willingly and generously wanting to, or maybe they're not. Right. But, but you're not really asking those questions most of the time. Yeah. Do you remember, uh, I don't know if you remember this, but public parks, you know, were such a big thing in America, particularly uh, in the early 1900s up to about 1945, 1950. And a whole community would take incredible pride in its park, its city parks and stuff like that. They're beautiful. People would take care of them, everybody. But then what happened is, in the, the 60s where you had this big era of protest and it was like, this is what we want. This is our thing. Uh, they would go and they would trash the stuff. They would trash the stuff. And now I, I'm going to be a little biased here, but I was just reading about, you know, the, uh, the uh, pro-life march in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. They've done these pro-life marches for, I don't know, 30 years, since Roe v. Wade, 40 years. And they do these things. I was reading about how... Uh, the sanitation companies, they, they uh, love it when the pro-life people walk through because when they protest, you know, they can have 500 to a million people. It's just massive, you know, is that they would go through, they go, they come through and it's the cleanest it's ever been. They go through and they pick up the trash and empty the trash cans as they're marching and, you know, cleaning, you know, for, for life. And then there was a women's march, right? Where women sewed or they knitted these, hats, you know, to look like vaginas to put on their heads and march through. And they, the sanitation department said they trashed the streets and the parks worse than almost any group that has ever protested Mm. or marched in Washington, DC ever. And so it's this notion is that when we think it belongs to me, you know, and you didn't have anything to do with paying for it, you trash it. You don't take care of it. Right. But when there's a sense of civic identity and you, you want to take care of it. Right. And that's, that's how virtual signaling has undermined everything about what makes us human beings. And I think that's really sad. Now you have a third point on our outline of things to talk about today. And all it says is manipulation. (laughs) So talk to me about that. One of the things I'm concerned about is what greed does is it makes you easily manipulated. Mm. When you don't understand your own greed, when you don't understand what tempts you, right? It's not just about money. It, what happens if uh, you remember on Tuesday, let me back up a second. Remember on Tuesday, we talked about the definition of is it's an insatiable desire for material goods. It's also an insatiable desire for recognition, fame or status or power. Right. And so if I don't understand greed in myself, I'm easily manipulated. One of the ways I critically think is when someone makes an argument that I start to agree with, I ask, what value of mine are they appealing to that makes it sound attractive? Mm. What, why am I? 
Why does this yeah, resonate with me? Right. And I want to know that. I want to evaluate that. That's how you think critically. Okay. Uh, I learned this when I learned how to fly planes. And that is, is that one of the things they teach you is that the biggest problem you have is cascading bad decisions. So you make a decision and you do it and then you want to evaluate. Now, why did I make that decision? And so it's a, it's a neat mental trick to keep you from making more bad decisions and cascading down and creating a pilot error. Well, do you know that if you don't understand your own greed, if you don't understand your own nature, you're easily manipulated. Mm. You're easily manipulated. Uh, the entire marketing phenomena that has risen in Western civilizations is built on consumerism, right? Right. And at first, marketing was simply getting the word out, right? You need talcum powder. This is it, <laughs> right? <laughs> that, that was it. You know, we make talcum powder and here's where you can get it. Get it at your local and they would give you a place to go get it. Uh, it's just get the word out, you know, light your house with, uh, you know, fuel what? now, right. as opposed to whale oil, right. you know, it's just get the word out. Then in the sixties and seventies, it became convincing people that they need something to make your life better. And this is when imaging became the marketing approach. Do you remember the Marlboro man? I do. You know, so people were like, man, I want to be like him, you know, do that. Do you remember Coca-Cola in the seventies? Do you remember that song? I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. Do I remember it from the seventies? <laughs> no, but have I seen it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that clarification. But right. It's like, what does Coke have to do with all these people walking around, you know, with this hippie vibe of, uh, right. you know, I want to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. Well, the world's been working on that for 7,000 years and they haven't been able to figure it out yet. Yep. Right. I don't think sugared pop is going to do it, nope, definitely but, not. but people were like, Oh man, if I drink Coke, then I'm part of this movement. So it was imaging. And then that was huge in the seventies. And then even into the eighties today, marketing is all about a narrative, right? You create a story and your narratives, you have commercials that will create a character and then that character will do different things over right. time. And like the Geico commercials, you know, or Geico gecko. Yeah. Keep going. And then progressive competes with them by having their flow flow. And you yep. know, you try to do that. Then all state has the mayhem guy, the mayhem guy. Yeah. Yes. Or, <laughs> or they've got the guy that speaks really low. Yeah. That guy. <laughs> so it's interesting. They create all these narratives. These are ongoing stories, you know, that they want you to get a part of. And it's people who buy into a specific narrative use these particular products, right? So people will buy into that story because they feel like it reflects them. And this, guess what, is how they manipulate you. They take your perception of yourself, manipulate it to get you to do what they want. Well, and I think that's such a key thing to use as we learn to critically think for ourselves. You know, it's yes. a lost art that we have these days. I was just having a talk with a couple guys, uh, yesterday. Um, and they were talking about how they use chat GPT to help them work on some different stuff or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, you know, you do have to, at some point start evaluating what it's giving you, not just assuming what it told you because it's good. <laughs> yeah. One guy was talking about, Oh, you know, I had it summarize a book for me. And so I didn't read the book. I just had it summarize the book for me. And I'm like, well, did you have it summarize the book you had read to make sure that it's like, giving you good summaries yeah. and yeah. stuff. And he was like, eh, I probably should do that. Huh? And I was <laughs> like, yeah. And so it's like, it could be, you know, these kinds of things could really push us further down the idea of not knowing ourselves or not critically thinking far enough to understand what's really happening to mm -hmm. us. And if you don't know what, what 
like you said, what value they're trying to to hook yep. you on and stuff, you're going to be easily led around because mm-hmm. now they've got you by the nose ring and they're pulling you down yeah. the down the line to the thing like that you the, absolutely yeah. Need. And you have to think critically. Like the phrase "love is love" is like, oh, I'm I'm, I'm all for love. love. I'm really into that, you know. It, but you start thinking, okay, well, what what are you trying to say here? What does this actually mean? Right. So, so talk- those are. So as we're wrapping up, any final thoughts that you want to share, Pastor? Well, I think there's tremendous pressure coming from people in ways we never imagined. I think that what's happened is because we have a misunderstanding of human nature, we uh, have entered into uh, what Carl Truman calls the psychological man. And the psychological man is basically your identity isn't based on what you do, the commitments you've made. It's based on who you think you are. So in my opinion, because of that, we have taken self-deception to a whole new level. And what self-deception does is it ends up tricking you and robbing you of real life because what you're doing is you're lying to yourself. Mm. And, you know, I've seen this happen in a lot of situations. My, My heart breaks for women who've been in situations where they are... They have connected, they're dating a guy that is not treating them well, but they deny the red flags. They dismiss his, you know, cavalier attitude them. They think, well, if I'm more committed, he'll love me more and change. As the friend zone guy that they always come and cry to later, I have seen this a lot as well. (laughs) So you gotta say it's just so sad that they that that they're when you lie to yourself that way, you end up getting hurt. Mm. You know, I know a lot of marriages that struggle because men uh, are like, my wife, you know, should be happy with what she gets. It's just like, instead of saying, how can I love my wife more? A lot of guys say, well, I'm a good husband because I put food on the table and gas in the tank, right? And say, okay, that's bare minimum, bro. Yeah. You know, you're lying to yourself if you think you're a a good husband. If you spend all your time telling yourself, I'm a good husband because I do this, that's called self-deception. Yeah. You know? If you got to keep telling yourself that, then yeah. you might already be in a danger zone that you... Yeah. And I know a lot of women who are unhappy in their marriages and unfulfilled because they're like, well, if my husband would just change this one thing, I'd be happy. That's a self-deception. Right. You know, the reason why you have negative emotions is because you're a female. Females, researchers say over, you experience more negative emotions than males do. And so my point is simple. When you understand yourself, who you really are, what your, your temptations, when you understand how greed influences you, you can't be manipulated and you can't manipulate you. And you become such a happier, more at peace, authentic person in the best way, the best way to explore all those dark sides of you that you're afraid of, or you don't want to look at or admit is in the presence of Jesus. The one who said, look, I've died for your sin once for all. My sacrifice was enough to cleanse you of all impurity. You know how the righteousness of God on you. You are a new creation. So you don't have to be afraid to evaluate, to think of, and see these sides of you. 
And the more in tune you are with those, guess what? The less manipulated you are, the less tempted you are, the less. So that's your journey is to, in the presence of Jesus, understand how to avoid the path of the rich fool. Well, thank you, Pastor, so much for sharing all that with us. And I'm just so excited to uh, hear some more about this as it's preached on on Sunday. And I just want to remind you guys, we are headed towards the end of the month. And at the end of the month, we are officially moving all future Salty Pastor videos to the Salty Pastor YouTube channel. So if you have not subscribed to that yet, make sure you do that. If you just listen only on a podcast, you'll be fine. All of that's staying the same. Um, and if you're wanting to support the podcast directly, you can do that through the Salty Pastor website, which will also be launched at the end of the month. Um, or if you are eager to give now, you can do that through the foothills.org website until the new one is up. But we want to make sure that the Salty Pastor has uh, the ability for those of you who aren't Foothills members who want to share with other non-Foothills members. That's great. We want this to be something that goes across the nation that is challenging people to grow their faith and um, critically think for themselves, mm -hmm. not just based on the church they're attending, but just on their desire to really improve those things in their lives. And this will be part of that, giving it space to be shared more widely with a lot of different people. So help join us, help share the Salty Pastor, and we'll see you next Tuesday here on the Salty Pastor Podcast. Blessings!